All right, I was thinking about the problem of evil again recently, and it's always tremendously difficult to conceptualize and talk about properly, so I'll see what success I have today. Um, I was struck by an article, I think it was written by Michael Tooley, uh, for the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, uh, that talked about how uh, theists uh, need to believe that uh, evils are justified because they are logically necessary for goods that outweigh them. And the more that I think about that, the more I think that's that's certainly correct. Uh, by way of uh, contrast or, or rejoinder, I am reminded of David Bentley Hart's amazing um, The Doors of the Sea, which eschews any theodicy, um, because it says it, theodicies essentially cheapen our doctrine of God, and they make God dependent on evil in some way, and that, you know, when faced with the evil of, say, the Indonesian tsunami of 2018, it's better not to speak of any kind of uh, higher purpose or design or providence in such events, uh, since Christianity is first and foremost a religion of uh, salvation and of rescue. Um, I I think that, you know, it's, it's tremendous writing, and it's certainly um, tone deaf uh, to go talking about uh, the redemptive uh, purposes uh, in, in events like that. Um, but there, there is, um, there is the logical force behind Thule's, um uh, statements too, and I could, I, I don't know if he actually does it like this, but you know, it's pretty easy to see what he's talking about when you think about it. Um, so this is what I'm gonna say, sort of on Thule's side, who's who's an atheist, by the way, uh, but he's he's studied the problem of evil. Um, uh, I'm gonna say this sort of by way of affirming uh, Thule and uh, uh, rejecting Hart. Um, I'm going to start by sort of playing devil's advocate. Um, I'm going to take an assumption for reductio. I'm going to show why theism basically is committed to uh, the view that uh, uh, evils are justified because they are logically necessary for goods that outweigh them. So let me assume for the sake of argument, uh, classical uh, argument uh, from evil. Was it Epicurus? Uh, you know, God is all good and all powerful, but evil exists. Uh, therefore, God must not exist. The theist is going to come back and say, wait, that's that's too fast. Um, evil exists because um, there is free will. And what's interesting is in the doors of the sea, it's not really clear if Hart means this. It's never terribly clear what Hart means in that book. Um, but uh, there is uh, this, this sort of insinuation that the reason why tsunamis happen is that the, 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 the principalities and powers, the archons, the, we might even imagine panpsychic uh, patterns of, of disorder and chaos that um, reign in our present age or world or dispensation, 
uh, that these have been given uh, a certain measure of free will, and that they, and that with that free will, they have gone rogue, and it is from these reigning um, uh, principalities and powers that God intends to rescue us. But uh, even if we make the problem of evil uh, fundamentally a problem of what moral agents uh, choose to do with uh, free will uh, and neglect natural evil entirely and sort of uh, uh, refuse to, to see any of the problem as uh, accounted for by, uh, say, coincidence or, or blind mischance, which, you know, they don't really, they're not really easily accounted for in a theistic picture of reality anyway. It doesn't really matter, though, for the problem of evil, because, um, it, it, as, as we'll see, the, the first choice point when free will is invoked as a sort of theodicy, the first choice point is, is it logically possible that free will, that creatures should have free will, um, um, but that no evil should exist? If the answer to this is no, then the theist is committed to the following view. That um, God is all-powerful and all-good, um, but evil exists. The reason why evil exists is that creatures have free will, and if creatures have free will, then of logical necessity, evil must exist, um, but evil is justified because it is logically necessary for a good, namely free will, that outweighs it. And then, then that's the position that the theist has to hold. Now, um, of course, um, for most people, uh, myself included, it's like prima facie, it doesn't seem logically necessary that a free being must sin. You know, and, and, you know, Hart himself brings up the figure of Christ, who is fully human and fully free, but, but fully sinless. And um, so, it, you know, it might be here observed that um, evil is made possible by free will, but it is not necessitated by free will. So now there are, there are other choice points that um, reveal themselves at this um, point in the uh, flow chart. So remember, I'm the atheist. I'm the devil's advocate. Um, I say that... Um, it's possible to have a world uh, with free will, but no evil. Um, but that's not our world. If God existed, that would be our world. Therefore, God does not exist. So now there are a couple of options. One might be, well, somehow for reasons that can't or won't be explained, um, yes, there, there could be a world with free will, but no evil, but that world just wouldn't be as, for lack of a better term, interesting as ours. But if that is the response given by the theist, then again, we are, we are left in the position of saying that evils exist, but they are justified um, because they are logically necessary for goods that outweigh them. In this case, um, the claim is that evil is logically necessary um, for a more interesting world, a world with more, I don't know, action and explosions, more stuff going on. Uh, as they say, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Um, there is a world where perhaps everyone has a mild and sweet nature, but it's not very interesting to live in. So God 
created this world where people have much nastier natures because he thought that the overall picture was more interesting, shall we say. Um, doesn't doesn't really matter. The point being, um, the, the point is that um, if if you think that a world with free will but no evil is possible but still not as good as this, you, you are... Um, you are effectively affirming Thule's formula. Because if you ever said that, look, there's a world that's just as good as ours, um, and it still has free will, um, or uh, uh, but it doesn't have any evil or it doesn't have as much, then what reason is there for that world not to exist? There is almost more than God's goodness that is at issue here. There is the principle of sufficient reason, namely... If if something has no reason to exist, um, you know, if if God exists and um, this world, which is not as good, all else equal as some other world, um, exists, then there is there's no reason um, for this world to exist. No reason for it to have been um, determined or selected. Um, from its 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 complement discriminated from its complement created from nothing you know by by god and however you conceive his his um his his creative action if you conceive it um as a classical theist does as like pure act um or you conceive it as a uh, somewhat invidiously <laughs> um a theistic personalist does as like this kind of um elaborative decision making um anthropomorphic um game theoretic um deliberation it doesn't really matter you're you're always in the position of saying that if there's something about this world that appears to be bad it's uh, in order that uh, some greater good um can obtain um whether or not one claims to know what that good is, um, one has to affirm that um, uh, it uh, is at least made possible um, by the evil in our world and therefore justifies the evil in our world. Now at this point, um, an actual atheist can say, you know, this is all so much the worse for theism um, because the theist is committed to the view that um, evils are justified by goods um, uh, for which they are logically necessary, um, but which outweigh them. But there's no realistic or plausible way to make sense of how the evils in our world could be logically necessary for goods that outweigh them. For me, this gets into the way um, that the problem of evil um, uh, has of of becoming sort of inevaluable. I sincerely think now um, that even as an atheist, if I knew um, what I now know about the problem, I would sort of consider it basically, basically inevaluable. It almost cannot become. It cannot be understood. It is so resistant to conceptualization. Let me begin to explain what I mean by this. It seems to me that predicates like good are defined on their complement, um, you know, at least as a starting point, at least from the standpoint of just 
this ordinary propositional logic, ordinary, our ordinary analysis of our experience. Um, uh, good is defined on its complement. If there is good, then there is not good. If there was not the, the analytic or logical possibility of not good, then good would have no meaning and could not be experienced as good. The mind is a meaning-making system, the psyche, the soul, consciousness, whatever you care to call it. It is, it is a language, um, um, a self-configuring, self-processing language, even, you know, to, to invoke uh, Langan. It is a language. Languages require, um, they, they, they require um, disc discrimination in order for there to be um, uh, identities and, and, and predicates. I cannot make sense of a life that is only positive experiences. If, if the experiences are positive, then what are they understood in contrast to i mean is it possible for example to take someone's life and simply drain the negativity out of the negative experiences they had and leave the leave the positive emotion in like i lived my life and every time i ate ice cream yeah it tasted you know just as good but when bad things happened like my wife left me um it didn't there was just there was just no negative emotion there um, uh, I somehow n didn't behave differently. I still behaved as though I were feeling awful, but really I wasn't. Um, but see, the thing is, if, if you, if you took, if you took the, the negative emotion out in such a way that it, it actually, um, influenced the behavior or the lack of, uh, of negative emotion actually influenced behavior, you would get different behaviors, um, and then the question is, in that in that picture of of apathy, is it possible that that, it, that the apathy would would remain um, totally asymmetric? There would still be emotional involvement in positively valenced activities, but but the negative ones. Um, I mean, we can we can try to understand this with reference to something like like hypomania. In hypomania, there is still the experience of things not happening as one expected. Um, now, that that may itself, in, in, in one's buoyant mood, cause one to um, take a certain kind of delight. Um, but there is still the category of things not being as expected, not going according to plan. And moreover, it's sort of artificial to imagine that hypomania could be the entirety of one's existence because in reality hypomania um, is part of a larger tapestry of experiences in which even if only in memory negative emotions figure and and as we go into like the the higher forms of mania they they often do have um, pronounced dysphoric elements um, especially in the and the so-called mixed state um, but even just in the higher states the the agitation um, is there? It's a it's a stick um, that is that is very much um, uh, you know behind um, the the dangled carrot. If one does not manage to achieve the goals uh, toward which one is being driven um, in these these manic states, you know people flip out and become angry, um, 
they they overturn tables and and throw glass plates and and so on and and the question is can we imagine phenomenologically that while this is happening they're happy you know it's 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 kind of it's kind of nuts i mean i would just like to see somebody really think about what it would mean for someone to only have positive experiences assuming that that's possible so what we're i i think realistically what we're left with is a picture in which Yes, there must be some negative emotion. There must be disappointment. The only question is, how much and in response to what? And, 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 and this is where it gets extremely difficult to say what would have been a better life and what would have been a worse life. I mean, within certain limits. Now, if you see, if you take somebody like Sam Harris, who says, well, you know, it's not really so hard to, to make this call. Like, for example, if you're a child soldier um, in in Congo and all you know is fear and violence and coercion um, and you're deprived of a normal childhood that's not as good as if you are like Ben Affleck and you get to go to you know like an Ivy League school and you get all this professional recognition so it's like okay so uh, the the challenge is you don't have to make um, the child soldier's life perfect. You just have to make it not the life of a child soldier. But here, I think we should sense, um, not in any way to morally justify what happens there, and 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 not in any way um, uh, to fail to hope and pray earnestly for um, God to wipe away the tears of of um, those those people. But we do appreciate how, or we should appreciate how um, events are, are interrelated. Um, that you can't really, or it's not really as simple as, you know, uh, going into the life of one person and, and changing things up uh, uh, without having to change all the rest of the world in response. The world is going to be a tapestry, uh, and it has to be seamless. Um, you can't really just take certain stitches out and 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 leave nothing, uh, and and leave the rest unchanged. It doesn't really work like that. It has to uh, be a coherent overall picture. It can't have, it can't have glitches, as we might say. It can't have things that are both here and there at, at the same time, um, in the same sense. So now the question is: Can God have done everything more or less the same, or come up with a world that's equally good, but? which on balance has like at least one less child soldier in it. You know, that that's the kind of question, like, who can evaluate that question? You know, every time that we, we w wish for a better world, um, you know, we can wish for it as a thumbnail sketch or in the abstract, but if we really had to design that world piece by piece by piece and say how everything fit together, no one could do it. So, you know... Really, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that, that that this means it's impossible, but I'm just saying that it's it's far from demonstrated that that um, it is possible to improve on God's handiwork effectively. So when I think about um, uh, evils being justified by goods for which they are logically necessary, but which um, outweigh them ultimately, um, I think about you know the good of um, having a seamless world, uh, a world that, um, it doesn't have glitches, it doesn't have contradictions, it has regularities that make it intelligible, um, and, 
it perhaps um, evil is in some cases or to some degree um, an, an entailment of that good. Um, relatedly, it may be that evil is an entailment or implication of creaturely freedom um, uh, without which um, life would not be worth living. Really, for me, the notion of, a, of an existence that was uh, devoid of what um, you might at least compatibilistically call freedom or describe as freedom, uh, to me, it's it's inconceivable um, that that existence could be without without um, you know agents that have their own will. Um, but you know that's that's arguably neither here nor there for present purposes. Um, and then you know, finally, you have the possibility that um, you that that let's say that um, an evil is truly logically necessary for for the good that outweighs it and and that would be the case where the good that one experiences is inseparably connected to this event um as a matter of lo- again of logical necessity it's 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 not that contingently um these two things happen to be related in history um but um conceivably they could have um happened separately from each other um let me find a concrete example in order to make this point a little clearer. Let's take the Revolutionary War, for example. There was bloodshed, there was suffering, but arguably the resultant good of a free democracy um, that came out of it, or a democratic republic, you know, it outweighed the violence and the suffering. Um, you know, and, and, in, and in our history, you can't have had one without the other. You can't have had that, that freedom um, and that, uh, you know, that, that new country based on democratic principles, etc., um, without the, the bloody war that preceded it. Um, but logically, conceivably, no, it is possible that, that you could have had, you know, so I'm saying as a, as a matter of historical contingency, no, it's not conceivable. As a matter of logical possibility, um, it is conceivable that uh, the United States could have been uh, formed without a bloody war. You know, for example, uh, alternate world, 1776, the Declaration of Independence and, and, and the Crown uh, answers, um, oh, okay, all right, we won't fight you over it. You guys just do your thing. So that's what I'm saying. If, if there was, let, let's say, the, the good that is truly, what, what, the good for which the Declaration of Independence is truly logically necessary is the good that is like that is inseparably bound up with it um as a as a matter of 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 analyticity as a matter of definitions so like let's say um i mean by 1776 i mean i i mean the the revolutionary war i should have said so let's take that war and let's say that someone fought that war and in it um they experienced tremendous um, uh, despair, uh, uh, misery, uh, uh, but but they they also found the limits of their endurance and then then transcended or overcame them, and they really discovered um, who they are. Say uh, a soldier in the Revolutionary War, 
And for them, you know, the, the war was a net positive. Now, a lot, that's not a lot of people's experience of war, but it does appear to be some people's experience of it. Um, and so, you know, we and, and so the resultant character growth of that war would not have been possible without the war. That, that's what I'm talking about. And so spiritually speaking, one can imagine um, that there are, how to put it, that if you experience something that seems unendurable and then find that you can endure it, or if you experience a set of circumstances that is so terrible that it seems to you that nothing could ever justify it, and then God shows you something of such beauty that it does, then God also shows you that the limits, that what you thought were the limits of your experience are not the limits of your of your experience or your endurance. Um, and and he shows you that that life is better than you can than you could have previously uh, dreamed or conceived because um, uh, the goodness of existence shatters what you took to be um, a final or unsurpassable limit. Um, in the religion that I was raised in, it's always uh, stressed how everything is temporary everything material is temporary that is everything that is not god is 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 temporary um and you know either in its duration or in one's appreciation for it so if one becomes attached to something one is going to lose it um sort of what uh i think george macdonald had in mind when he said um that it's 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 a law of reality that whatever can be destroyed will be destroyed so it's not inconceivable to me that God might um, give us certain goods effectively by showing us that what we thought was um, an attachment that we couldn't live without is actually something that we can live without it 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 it, it brings um, CS Lewis to mind in um, a grief observed where he says Lord, consider how strange you seem to us. What if what if I said to the boys, now, now, you can't have any toffee, um, but when you're older and don't care much for toffee, then you can have as much as you want. Consider consider how strange uh, that would be, Lord, and consider how, how much you sound like that to me right now. But, you know, at, at this point, effectively, God, God, would, God would or could say, you know, just, just sh shut up about the dang toffee. It was never about the toffee. I want to show you that existence is about more than toffee. That whatever you take to be the, the, the height or limit or apogee of your identity is still not your identity. Your identity is infinite, like mine. Now granted, I know it seems a little perverse to say, you know, how to put it? Look, you had this good thing, and then God took it away. But God's taking it away wasn't wasn't bad. It was good because... Unless God took it away from you and showed you that you could live without it, um, it wouldn't be possible for you to survive the ordeal of being deprived of a certain good, of that particular good. You know, this this justification that I'm offering uh, sort of begs the question. <laughs> it's just, you know, it begs the question of why God had to ever take it away. It assumes that He should have. Well, again, what I said earlier about about non-God things and being um, in their nature temporary. So it's not a question of whether you'll lose it, but only a question of when. It is a deep truth, I think, a terrible truth, but, you know, that whatever God gives you, you have to give it back to him. Abraham 
where God gave Abraham a son, and then Abraham uh, was was ready to give um, his son back to God. God has given you your life, and you have to you have to give it back up to God, because whoever will, uh, whoever um, uh, clings to his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will find it. That's that's the that's the nature of reality. It seems to me. Now here's an interesting question: Can one speak of good? where whatever God does would seem to be good. Um, like Wittgenstein said, if you can't talk about wrong, then that just means you can't talk about right either. What does it mean to say God is good, or that creation is good, if whatever happens um, is by definition good? He's like, I get a good thing, I keep it, that's good. I get a good thing, I lose it, apparently that's also good. So I'm going to say more about the, the way in which Good and evil appear to be of a piece. Um, and and again, yes, what I would stress is the, the inevaluability of the problem of evil. Um, I'm not I'm not saying that I I'm not saying that the challenge that I just laid out is insuperable. I want to um, just just go over some some ideas that I think um, are, are relevant um, uh, to the question that I just laid out, you know, namely like uh, questioning the, the apparently tautological nature of God's goodness, where it's like heads God wins and, 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 and tails um, Satan loses or something like that. Oh, by the way, I should point out that the clips that I'm about to share are from a signal conversation uh, with uh, Jason, uh, Mitch, and Luke, uh, Thompson, uh, among other people. So, uh, if, if it sounds like I'm responding to someone else, essentially, it's because I am. Okay, these are some thoughts that I've had on the problem of evil. Um, that I was think I was thinking about them when I was sick, um, and I kept trying to share them, but things kept coming up. I think I have about ten minutes until the announcement, so I'm going to try again right now. Um, I was listening to um, uh, Eleanor Stump on the problem of evil, and she had an interesting formulation um, of evil. Uh, I don't think it's original to her, though. She said that evil is non-being, um, but specifically evil is non-being where being ought to be. So sometimes non-being is okay, but sometimes it's not, is, is I guess the, the implication. And I thought that that was a pretty cool little uh, formulation. Um, I also was reading the article on uh, the problem of evil by Michael Tooley, I want to say is his name, um, on Stanford Encyclopedia um, of Philosophy. Um, and, and in that article, there was a phrase that talked about how the problem of evil is evaded um, in 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 just uh, the case where um, uh, evil, existent evil, um, is found to be the logically necessary um, precursor to a good which outweighs it, something like that. I'm I'm paraphrasing. Um, and uh, that that's a very interesting phrase. Um, and, and I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot because, you know, often in thinking about the problem of evil, 
I have had this sense, almost like God is telling me, it's like you, you want to, you want to evaluate the worth of my creation by reference to what might have been, i.e. to what is not. But I simply never look away from my creation at all. So like that, that's this kind of felt sense or intuition I've had when thinking about the problem of evil. It's like almost like God is saying that. And, and, and so, you know, it's like logically necessary for goods that outweigh them. There's two aspects here. I'm going to take the goods that outweigh them aspect first. We have a tendency to, to really see things in, in terms of absolutes. Like we just rank order goods on this absolute scale, um, good, better, best. But really, whether something is good or bad, it's kind of like the Chinese um, farmer problem. Um, is that good? Is that bad? Is that good? Um, it, 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 it very much depends. I mean, it absolutely depends. It's absolutely relativized, um, to some higher standard of good, which ultimately is God. So like, there's this other principle that I have in mind, which is like, like this, the ultimacy of ultimate reality is such that any reality is ultimately ultimate reality. <laughs> um, so there's, there's this sense here that, that the problem of evil is so difficult because God's creation is not simply something to be hung in the balance and judged either good or bad. Ultimately, God's creation is convertible with himself in a deep sense. And therefore, God's creation um, is the very standard by which we would judge something good or bad, um, uh, as well as the thing to be weighed in the balance, um, as well as the item to be judged. Um, and, and so that's, it's a very tricky aspect of, of the problem of evil. Um, the, uh, logically necessary, that, that part of the formulation, it's logically necessary. You know, if you, if you say that, what, say the good that outweighs the evil of the Holocaust is some contingent circumstance, such as, for example, um, as I think some Jews actually believe, although I'm really not trying to use this, I'm, I, I can't speak for anyone, but I, you know, I shouldn't have said that, but, but, uh, you know, uh, people do point out a sort of silver lining, uh, that, you know, that, that, uh, uh, for the Jewish people, it was good that the state of Israel in some way resulted from the Holocaust. Although again, that's tremendously controversial. I maybe shouldn't have used it as an example, but let's, but let's use it as a hypothetical example. Let's say that's the only way. Well, let, let's say that that's how it happened in history, that because the Holocaust happened, the state of Israel happened. And, and let's, let's assume, or let's contend for the sake of argument that, that the state of Israel is justifying the Holocaust. The issue here is when we say something is logically necessary for a good that outweighed it, it means that Logical necessity means that it couldn't conceivably have been otherwise. In other words, it's saying that the state of Israel could not have conceivably resulted apart from the Holocaust. Uh, but that's not a true statement because we can imagine the state of Israel could have existed or could have come into existence again, uh, despite there not having been a Holocaust. So logically necessary logically necessary for goods that outweigh them logically necessary means that it is logically necessary for some good that truly only could have resulted from the holocaust 
there is, it, it must be something that, it must be that experiencing the Holocaust discloses something about the, the infinite nature of ultimate reality that can only be, have been revealed through that experience. And so it's, I think to me, it's hinting at the way in which, in which suffering is, is not, is not um, set equal to something else, but is itself set equal to something else that justifies it, but is itself actually um, transmuted uh, almost through alchemy. It's transmuted into into uh, 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 an inexpressibly, uh, you know, heavy or weighty glory, um, and 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 so that those are some thoughts I had on the problem of evil, as I was lying sick, and um, I think that um, it's pretty interesting. I mean, Luke's probably going to be like, yeah, duh, obviously. Uh, this is like, it's all trivial to me. Uh, but, um, uh, I, I think that there's something there, um, that, that I might, I might want to hold on to in, in terms of thinking about the problem in the future. So like here, here's an example of creation being both the, the item to be weighed, but also the balance. Um, when I think about the tremendous, um, apparent waste and loss of life and savagery and and pointlessness um that um deep history um the deep history of of evolution and of the planet um seem to disclose you know i am i'm revolted i i think of you know all the all the suffering um and my my empathy is sort of um you know, it's 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 just uh, overactivated is is a, is a stupid way to say it, but let let's say that. Um, and and you know the the thing about it though is that this matrix of evolution was the precondition for 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 my empathy, my sense of empathy being formed in the way that it has, and for my values uh, to come into being and be offended in in precisely this way. Um, and without that whole hideous process, I would not have this set of standards, this particular sensibility with which to judge it. Um, th this is, this is an example of, of what I'm talking about. Is it good or is it bad? Cannot be said absolutely and must await, um, a judgment from, uh, uh, some, uh, it, from from some uh, standard, um, and and you know I, I I think ultimately that that standard is 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 creation its itself, but understood um, ultimately as 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 ultimate reality. Um, that, so that's maybe maybe that doesn't make anything more clear. Um, but uh, that's that's it's part of the way that I. I approach the problem part of the way that it, it, it discloses itself to me. So to sum up, creation has a way of not only being um, the thing hung in the balance, but also the very balance itself. It has a way of being both the evaluandum and the standard of evaluation. 
And, you know, again, that, that ultimacy principle I talked about, <laughs> where every reality is ultimately ultimate reality, um, this is just what you would expect of ultimate reality, that it would be sort of autotelic or self-judging in this way. It has this sort of inescapable uh, reflexivity or, or recursion to it. It's like Jose Ortega y Gasset said, I am I in my circumstances, and you, as your circumstances, cannot escape yourself. This sort of deal. So to, to now to really sum up, have I made any kind of final sense of the problem of evil? No. Um, I'm kind of resting my case on it being ultimately like just just like impossible to even like wrap your mind around really um, and um, a as I said before um, it, even as an atheist if I knew then what I now think I know I would just refrain from letting this be the issue on which God's existence is decided so really for me I go the other way and I say there's there's tremendous evidence for God's existence or tremendous uh, philosophical argumentation or what have you, whether you consider that evidence or whatever status that gets assigned. Um, and um, and the, the problem of evil itself is a bit of a wash. Like you can't make sense of it either way. You would have to be able, you would have to already be God to know um, whether or not this this reality is compatible with God's existence, really. Um and so I, I let the issue be decided on other matters. But again, as I said at the start of this episode, that um, if, you, if you are a theist, then you are essentially committed, um, I think, um, pretty clearly to the view that um, um, evils are um, justified because they are logically necessary for goods that outweigh them. I think we can know that much. Now, just exactly how they're justified and what exactly are the goods um, that outweigh them, I think that that will await um, our, that will await our, you know, uh, death and resurrection, essentially. All right. Well, um, I thank you very much for listening, if you've listened this long, and um, I, I really um, hope to hear whatever uh, feedback you might, you might have, and um I'll see you next time.